Okay, guys, so some of you guys were here yesterday, so it's good to see you. Some of you weren't, and uh, it's great to see you as well. Um, we're just going to be focusing um, particularly on the gift of leadership, and uh, yesterday we talked about the opportunity for gap years. Uh, the guys from ID are still here, so say hi. And Matt from Impact as well. So we've got flyers for ID, Impact, the Academy, uh, and also the gap years at Brighton. If you want to know more about that, uh, you can speak to... Well, you can speak... No, speak to me afterwards and I'll point you in the right direction. Um, but what we want to focus on right now really is giving you guys the opportunity to ask questions about leadership. Uh, and the way that we'll kick this off uh, is if I just pass the microphone along to you guys, if you could just say who you are, um, what you're involved with in terms of leadership and maybe just give us a bit of background to when you knew the call of God on your life to lead. Um, and that'd be really helpful. And then these guys can then start to answer, ask some questions. Is that okay? So get writing some questions. Okay. Uh, my name is Moravi. Um, Moravi. And I'm from Nairobi, Kenya. And um, yeah, I lead a church there. And I was an unintentional leader. So I basically didn't know I had a gift of leadership. And throughout high school, I basically got called into different leadership positions. I didn't know what a gift of leadership was, so I just I really wasted the time I was there. I wasted all the opportunities I had, and I really would have done that the rest of my life until um, in, just before I got into college, one of my, uh, uh, the, the youth pastor, the church that I was going into actually went out to start a, a new church, and so I went with him, and so he tapped me on the shoulder and asked me if I would walk with him and just help him do stuff. And I didn't realize, but actually what he was calling me into is uh, just a life of being mentored and somebody speaking into my life. And so I began to really enjoy what I did. And then after I, d I did my college, he tapped me on the shoulder and he said, I think you should give a year of your life to serve God before you go into your career. And um, no intention to do it. Um, I really planned. I got big things I was planning to do. But then he asked my girlfriend uh, without asking me. And so she said yes. And so when she did, uh, and we, were, we had plans to get married, and so she came and told me, well, we have to postpone our plans because uh, I'm doing this year uh, of service. So I came back and told the pastor, well, okay, I prayed about it, and uh, I think God's saying I should do it as well. So I, I came on, and I served for a year. And in that year, God really began to speak to me about his calling in my life, about the fact that I had a leadership gift, and he wanted it to be used in the church. And it was, for me, it was a struggle because that was not my plan. But over that year, I really feel like God just led me to let go and accept that this is what God was calling me to do. So that's a bit of my story. That's great. And yeah. could you just share, just before we move on, just what are you living with? So you're leading a church in Nairobi at the moment. What's the vision? What's the heart? So we lead a, it's, it's a family of churches, about 10 churches. Uh, it's called Mavuno Church. Mavuno means harvest. The vision of the church is, well, our mission is, we say, turning ordinary people into fearless influences of society. So basically, we, we mentor and disciple young Christians in capital cities across the world and help them begin to understand that they're the hope for their world, the hope for their society. We release them as agents in every sector of society. And our vision is to plant a, 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 a culture-shaping church in every African capital city and the gateway cities of the world by 2035. So right now we're working towards having a church in every African capital by in the next 10 years. And then after that, we want to go into the big uh, cities in the world. So, so exciting, isn't it? So we're in the presence of uh, a great man. So thank oh, you. Wow. Great God. <laughs> Amen to that. Okay. Yeah, I was just going to say, how do I follow that? Um, <laughs> so should I just go for it? Yeah, yeah go for it. Um, <laughs> just make something up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Don't make anything up. I'm um, James Bond. No. Um, <laughs> so I'm Kat Thomas. I'm um, living in Brighton. Um, I'm 28. I'm a full-time nurse and I'm part of CCK Brighton. And I, um, in terms of leadership, I'm involved in youth work. So I'm helping lead our um, youth uh, for the site. So we have multi-site church. So each site has its own youth group. So I help lead that. Um, I'm also part of the core team for the site. So there's, um, I think four key couples and me um so yeah until recently i've been single so um i've got a boyfriend at the moment but i'm not married um i'm 28 and i'm yeah leading in various different capacities um around the church um so i in terms of do you just want a bit of background on leadership stuff? yeah how, how did you know yeah. the call of god on your life to lead did you just get pulled into it did people recognize it in you or did you just really know 
It was selling good. Yeah, I think a combination. I'm not a massively like self-confident person. I wouldn't necessarily put myself forward for lots of stuff. Um, but I'm quite confident if someone gives me something to do, I'll just get on and do it and don't really think about how I'm going to, you know, or, or what, I don't stress about it beforehand too much. I just kind of get on with it. Um, so I think that's partly just my character. But then as a teenager, definitely coming along to New Day. So I've been at every New Day, started off as a 16-year-old and now um, as a leader. And um, yeah, God definitely spoke to me in my early teens just about leadership and about um, the nations, actually. And that was something that was really on my heart was that I would go and be involved in planting churches in other nations and in the UK um, and actually that's not something that's been realized yet but that's put something of leadership um sort of uh, it's motivated me in a way to actually pursue god in a leadership capacity that actually i need certain skills and certain things to be um trained up in to be able to be useful in that capacity and for god to use me um in other ways so youth work was just a natural progression that i was part of the youth and then kind of moved into being part of the youth team we had a great um we had great youth leaders that really mentored us and kind of took us under their wing um so we were really well discipled through that and kind of really knew um yeah just were just our lives were we were really accountable to people in that process so although we were very young leading uh, we had great people we could talk to and just work through issues in life and stuff like that with um so yeah leadership was quite a natural progression it didn't it wasn't sort of a big um heavy duty responsibility from the beginning but actually god's used those little things and just built up and built up and um just yeah more and more more and more opportunities have come about and i've just taken the opportunities i've not kind of yeah, strove and fought for the next thing, but God's just presented more opportunities as I've just been faithful with the little things, I think. So that'd be my story. Stu, who are you? I'm Stu, Stu Gibbs. Do you want me to tell my story? Yeah. Uh, so I grew up in a church, a church in Sickup, New Frontiers Church, was pretty disengaged as a teenager, went to what was Stonely then, um, but didn't really, I was in the engaged tent normally rather than in the main meetings. Um, and then kind of all turned around when I was about 18, went to university. I guess the leadership thing, I did actually do a gap year. Um, in fact, I was about the only person in New Frontiers that applied to do FP and didn't get in. So uh, <laughs> normally the bar is so low. It's like if you, no, bre- it's not. If you can breathe... Then you'll be, you'll get in. What's uh, that saying of these young people? <laughs> but but I basically applied to do it, and my my own elders said we couldn't we couldn't trust sending you anywhere because <laughs> I'd obviously up to that point not been a great example of a Christian life. Um, but over that year, I still did a voluntary year, and in the end, I did kind of get accepted on late. Um, and then went to university, and I guess it's just a bit of a process from there, really. When we were at university, uh, we were just really involved as students. Right? We ran alpha courses. We, we did like an early morning prayer thing um, where we would meet. At, we were in halls of residence. There was quite a few of us, and there was this big downs in Bristol, and we used to meet out on the downs at 7 a.m., Monday to Friday, a group of us, to pray for an hour before university. Um, and we were full of zeal and I think that just shaped the student work which we were then involved in leading groups and then overseeing and then when I graduated university basically the church offered me the chance offered me a job working for them and at the same time that was when the New Day team came together so I'd always been involved in helping at Stonely and so basically I was I took a job working for my church in Bristol but also working with Joel and Adrian and some other guys um, to start what then eventually became New Day so that was kind of when I was 21 when I started doing that and then it's kind of gone from there really that long ago (laughs) well it was a long time ago yeah because other people on this panel were 16 when when New Day started I wasn't that much older actually but uh, (laughs) Yeah, so, and then after I'd been working for the church for a few years in Bristol, I felt God speak to me really clearly about moving to plant a church in Greenwich. So I did that, that was seven or eight years ago, planted a church in Greenwich, and we're now, some of you know Ben Lindsay, who's up on the stage quite a lot, Uh, he set up the Rhythm Factory a few years ago, he's just planting out of our church, so we're Emmanuel Church London we were we're going to become Emmanuel Church Greenwich he's going to start Emmanuel Church New Cross and we are just in the process of starting the very beginnings of a group that meets in London Bridge which is a bit more central in London 
So we're going to start Emmanuel Church London Bridge. So we're we're having a go basically at starting some churches. We're going to see how many churches we can start in London, basically. And with a bit of a hope, that's our main focus, but with a bit of a dream that, you know, some people will go beyond outside that as well. So we, one of the places we pray for is Barcelona. Um, we've got a guy who is praying about moving there. So we're just kind of doing that. And what was the other question? When did you call of leadership? Or have yeah, I answered that? Right. Yeah. Never done. Okay. Yeah. It's fine. Thanks, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. So these guys have got uh, some great experience, uh, obviously, in leadership. And it'd just be a great opportunity for, for those of you, um, hopefully you feel either the call of God of, on your life in terms of leadership or you're starting to just wonder what that's all about. And um, so it's a great opportunity to ask them some questions. And I'll try and pick your brains as well as we go. Um, but who wants to get us going in terms of a, a question? And it can be related to taking a gap year. It can be related just to leadership generally. It's up to you. Have you got one? Yeah, yeah let me just repeat. I need to repeat the question just for the, yeah. the thing. So essentially, when looking at younger people or anyone, I suppose, uh, and you're looking for the gift of leadership, what are the qualities of, of character that you'd see in them that really make you feel like that young man or that woman has got the gift of leadership? Um, I think you can see leadership in people. Um, so I know that there's youth that I've been involved with and people follow them. Whatever they do, they're clearly leaders. People are following them and you can see that in them. But that doesn't necessarily mean that then you would, they wouldn't necessarily be the kid that you would pick and think, actually, I'm going to disciple them and I'm going to train them up underneath me to kind of take on some of the leadership responsibility. So I think in terms of Christian leadership, it really is also about character. You might see someone that is maybe a little bit quieter and on the edges, but actually their character is solid and you're thinking this is someone that would lead well, that their character is there, that um, yeah, that they're just, they've just got a good um, grounding in them, that they're not just like seeking the limelight or they're not just out to kind of gain their own glory, that actually they're just solidly working away in the background and that might be... So I think it's probably different depending on the person, um, but... Yeah, sometimes it's like a real character thing and you're just like, wow, people are following them and God's going to get on that and there's just like a Holy Spirit thing involved in that as well. And sometimes you're like, they have, they're really just investing their lives in God and God is going to really use that for his glory and people are going to see that and follow that as well. So I think, yeah, that would be probably two things anyone want to That's really good. Actually, you took the words right out of my, out of my mouth. That's exactly what I was going to say. But um, I think I'd also add that leadership, there is a gift of leadership because leadership is a spiritual gift that God gives. Uh, there is also the, the role of leadership, uh, which is the task. I mean, sometimes you may not have the spiritual gift, but you're made a prefect or you're leading somewhere. So you, you have a task of leadership. And, and, and those things sometimes, I mean, it means that everyone has an opportunity. It's, it's almost like the gift of evangelism. Uh, some people are just really effective. They, any, anybody, they sit next to somebody in a, in, a, in a plane and they come up with stories about how they shared about Jesus. And the rest of us are thinking, who does that, you know? Uh, and there are people who are just really good at that. But every one of us has the call, whether we have the gift or not, to, to still share the gospel. I think it's the same with leadership, that some of us have the gift of leadership, but every one of us have the call because we're going to be in situations where we're leading our siblings, um, people around us uh, in our classroom. And so because of that, I think every one of us needs to develop our leadership. And obviously then, if you have the gift of leadership, then you're really called to even step up more uh, because God's going to require of you that you're leading um, in a spiritual sense uh, people in the church. So I think it's... So just adding to what you said and then just saying, yeah, I, I basically look at all the children... Um, my, my kids, I mean, some, one of them has a, a very clear gift like you spoke about. I mean, people, she's a troublemaker and everybody follows her. Uh, and when she's good, everybody's good. That's a leader gifted. You can tell instantly. But every one of my kids has opportunities to lead. And so I, I equip all of them to be leaders because I can see that God can use them both in the task but also in the gifting. Well, I can say the one thing I'll just add, just I guess something to ponder a little bit, is I think sometimes we use the word leadership in a very broad way um, and sometimes that's fine obviously sometimes it's more helpful to recognize actually the bible speaks about all kinds of different gifts because we use the word leadership to to kind of a, as a catch-all for all kinds of different gifts and really the bible describes some people who are more evangelistic some are more pastoral some exercise their leadership and their influence by serving some some exercise their leadership 
by organizing some exercise their leadership by relating really well to groups of people and so there's there's actually a very widespread range of gifts and I think that's quite important to know otherwise when we hear leadership we just think there's kind of one thing and you either think oh I don't fit or I do and usually you the most prominent leader is often the church leader or here you know someone who's on the stage and you end up thinking that's what I have to do when actually it isn't if you were to look at the New Day campsite you would see hundreds of leaders make this event happen um, but you only see one or two of them actually publicly leading some of the guys on the management team are leading teams well they're leading the management team are leading 750 servers on lots of different teams and actually it takes a real gift of leadership to get people to sign up to come and take a week off work to come and clean toilets for a week <laughs> you know that takes real influence actually um and the organizational stuff and the planning you know all that happens in different contexts um, and preaching is one thing and leading worship is another kind of leading and even leading people into prayer is another kind of thing so i think it's helpful to understand that when we say leadership we actually mean we really we often we mean influence and we're talking about all the different gifts that god gives which are kind of are in all of us in a different way that's great does that help answer your question good one of the things just to say as well just growing up as a, a guy that often people would sort of say you're called to leadership and, and all that kind of stuff which can become a little bit of a label um but often people would say one of the the great things um in leadership is obviously understanding that leadership is about serving um, and being teachable is is huge i think if you're teachable um particularly as you're beginning on a journey and if you're thinking about taking a year out or you've just done a year out um, to lay yourself open before people that you respect and trust and to regularly be saying, can you just speak into my life? And if there's areas that you see that, that need some attention, can you do that? I give you permission to do that. Is a really good thing. If you see a young person that isn't teachable, it's very difficult to work with them. If they are teachable, you can work with them and develop with them. So, yeah. Someone just had their hand up. Hi. Yeah, I'm really sorry. I missed the first bit. So I think I heard it. So if I repeat it, you can nod if I get it right. I think the question was, if you, if you feel personally called into one area of ministry or leadership, uh, like for the example was really excited about Kids Club and giving time to that, but others look at you and say, you should get involved in youth work or evangelism, how do you handle that when you're feeling a call in one direction and other people are saying, we think you should go another way? <laughs> okay. I think that one of the things I'd say is when you're young, you have a great opportunity to develop as a leader. And so my encouragement would be not to lock yourself in. I think um, there's a really helpful acronym that I think it's Rick Warren that uses in the book Purpose Driven Life. He talks about shape, uh, which is spiritual gifts, uh, your passions, your abilities, your personality, and your experiences. And all those things actually are part of your shape as a leader. And many times what happens is I like doing this thing, and the problem is it's very easy when you're young to lock yourself into that and not even to realize there's so much more that other people see, but because you didn't want to develop it, then you end up, you end up almost stunting it. And so my encouragement is, yes, lean into your passion because that's who you are, but then also look for opportunities. And actually, it's great to have people you trust that, you, that can actually tell you, why don't you try this? Because you'd be amazed. I mean, one of the things I do probably 60% of my time is I lead through preaching. But when I was 16, if you asked me what was the last thing I ever wanted to do in my whole life, it would be actually standing in front of people with a microphone. And it took somebody who was older than me, who I trusted, pushing me into that and saying, I, I think you should try this. I think you have a gift in this. I think when you do it, I see God doing something. And I had to lean into that because I didn't enjoy it. Um, and so, and interestingly, many people sometimes think the sign of a spiritual gift is something you enjoy doing. And I always say, you know, a gift isn't, you didn't give yourself the gift. If I went to the shop and picked it, then I'd enjoy it. But many times my parents give me something and I'm like, hmm, okay. I'm sure you know why you gave me this. Uh, and many times God gives me gifts that are not, the gift is not for me, it's for his body. And so when I, when I lean into it, even though I don't enjoy it because other people affirmed it, then what happens is I begin to open up. And doesn't, it doesn't do away with the passion still because I think that, that's also helpful, but it just continues to grow you as, an, as a well-rounded leader. Yeah. 
I just think as well, like um, that your gifts are unique to you and your character is unique to you. And so I know for me, like I'm involved in youth work, but I have got a real passion for prayer. So I really bring that to the team. So we're all youth leaders in the team that I lead the youth work with. But I really love praying and I will always encourage the team to be praying and the young people to be praying. So if you've got a passion for evangelism and you're also in the kids work team, you can be leading kids and doing kids work. But also you can be one constantly saying, how are we telling them how to share the gospel? How are we encouraging them to evangelize their friends at school? So, yeah, I guess just recognize that God's made you unique and you don't have to just be in one box all the time. That's great. So the question uh is how do you lead people older than you uh, without patronising them, honouring them, uh, and without causing a stir, basically? Um, I can answer this one, because I've got a Bible verse. (laughs) Uh, So in 1 Timothy chapter 4, the Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy, who is kind of probably younger than a lot of the people that he's leading. And Paul is writing to him about how to lead the church, how to, what to teach, and how to train people. And he says, command and teach these things. Uh, let no one despise you for your youth. So he's kind of recognizing that often when you're younger than other people, there's, a kind of, there's an inherent tension in that. And that's not always bad. But that doesn't mean that the people who are older than you are ungodly it's just there is a natural dynamic to being led by people who are older than you and so there's a kind of a a weirdness in a way when you're young and trying to lead people that are older Um, but it says don't let people despise you but it says but set the believers an example in speech in conduct in love in faith in purity and so I think a big part of the answer is the way you lead people who are older is you set a provoking and outstanding example in the way that you live your life. Um, so you make your leadership your leadership less about trying to exercise authority over them because that will probably clash with their, the way they're naturally going to respond. And you make your leadership more about provoking them by the way that you speak in a godly way and you love others in a sacrificial way and you serve wholeheartedly and you make your conduct exemplary to in a way to, to still you can lead them but it's not like you're saying you need to do this and now you need to do this it's much more you're kind of influencing them through your example I think that's that's actually important however old someone is that you're leading but it becomes more important when they're older than you are because you haven't got that natural dynamic that you can rely on you actually have to set the example in a in a really godly way I think also obviously having older people speaking into your life that you can ask for wisdom and ask for help from is really important as well and if the people you're leading know as well that you're fully accountable and working with other older people I think that helps just them in their confidence in who you are as well as a person that you're not just stepping out on your own but you're doing that under someone else's authority as well and with the like the support and the backing of maybe your elders or other leaders um, in the church I think that's really key Um, and just leading with humility I would say is really important that if you're someone who's leading not from a place of I'm the best at this so I'm doing it but actually God's gifted me and I'm stepping out and this is a journey of faith for me as well then I think people have always responded really well to me with that approach even though I've been younger in lots of contexts that I've been leading in and people want to help build my gift as well and want to help invest in me in that way so there's probably people that I've led in teams that could have led the team better than I've led it but they've had humility to step back and let me lead and support me in it and I've also had to have humility to say yeah I know that you could probably do this better is there anything you could give me advice on help with is there anything I can come to you about so yeah I guess that would be a top tip (laughs) <laughs> that's good good answers okay other questions so question is what's one of the standout lessons that you learn as you were being mentored into a leadership position that okay. has just stuck with you wow there's hundreds but <laughs> um, when I was when I started getting mentored I was a very <laughs> how do I put it I think I didn't understand boundaries with the opposite sex. And so I was this very open guy who made friends with all the girls. And, and especially in college, I pretty much took them all out for fun. 
like because I liked I, I think I grew up with sisters and so I was very easy with people of the opposite sex and I didn't realize the problems it was causing around me and so one time my mentor came up to me and he said Moravi you're gonna have to make a decision either you're going to follow women or you're going to lead men and I've never forgotten it it was like my wake-up call like hey you need to watch your boundaries you're causing lots of trouble for people and then the, the impression people got is I was just running after girls and he was basically saying you can't lead if you're going to do that, that that's really what he's saying was was saying but it, it was just one of those things that smacked me in the face and I, I, I there was a 180 degree turn in my life from that point and I really did put boundaries around me as a young leader because I was at, at that point I was even beginning to lead a youth group and it was almost like hey you need to be um, even in your not just in doing right but being seen to do right I think the Bible speaks about the appearance of evil just avoiding that as well yeah so that, that one's never left me I had ex- almost exactly the same thing I've got four sisters <laughs> and I had the same uh, unawareness of boundaries <laughs> created the same kinds of problems um, and my youth leader or y- year team leader made me sit down with one of the girls that I'd been unhelpfully relating to it wasn't a deliberately ungodly thing it was just unwise but he made me sit down and tell her that I wasn't interested in going out with her to her face, at which point she cried. <laughs> um, um, <laughs> and I learned a similar lesson <laughs> from that point on. Um, so, interesting. Maybe the Lord has a purpose in that question coming out for someone here. <laughs> I know a, a great story. <laughs> So there's, a, there's this pastor, um, so he takes a lady in for a, a meeting into this office to have a one-to-one discussion with her. Comes out and everything's fine and similarly it wasn't ungodly in, in his heart, he was just, um, but there was no window or anything so it was just closed door. Lady leaves and then one of the other pastors goes to him later in the afternoon and says the lady that you were with uh, earlier has made an accusation that you touched her on the knee when you were together. And obviously his face drops, he goes pale, he says, I'm just joking, but don't ever do that again. Put yourself in that position where someone can make an accusation against you. And it just stuck with him for the rest of his life. And uh, it stuck with me when I heard that as well. So only me, like if I'm doing, if I'm having a chat with a girl, uh, be in a public place and, uh, or with a room with a window on it or whatever it may be at work as well. So it's a real helpful one for, I think, boys and girls. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's not been my story, actually. But, um, <laughs> sorry about that. Um, Mainly a male problem. <laughs> but I think also, um, I actually think that I, at a very young age, what was instilled in me, probably 13, 14, I had really great youth leaders and um, accountability was just routine. That was just what we did in our youth group. So as a group of my three, my two best friends, there was three of us, we grew up together in youth group, did everything together. We were right, really tight and we decided at 14 that we were going to meet up and ask each other questions about what the things we were struggling with. So actually, we decided the things we were going to ask each other every time we met up. So we were going to plan to meet up once a week at minimum and ask each other, how are you doing with giving money? How are you doing with boys? And how are you doing with spending time with God? And that was at 14. We decided that's what we were going to do. And through my whole teenage years, that was standard. And you just we didn't lie to each other because we were living life pretty much in each other's pockets so if one of us had been dating a boy or something had happened we all knew about it anyway um but it was just an amazing habit to be in that when I went to uni I was um, it was quite funny because I went uh, first week at a new church uh, I was like 19 I just finished that FP impact and I was like yeah I need to find a uh, an older woman to be accountable to senior elder's wife she'll do she'll be all right never met the woman before went straight up to her was like hi um, i'm new at this church i'd really like to be accountable to someone um you've really stood out as someone that i think that we've got a lot in common <laughs> she was like oh thanks so much um, what's your name <laughs> so it probably wasn't the best way to approach it and actually she pointed me in the direction of someone who's involved in the student work and i got linked in with her and had a great time at uni getting to know her better and she was really helpful and the same sort of accountability but yeah it was part for me it was just standard that's what you did you had a woman that you were accountable to and you chatted to and you prayed with and that was yeah just basic well uh, just on similar lines i mean what are some of the the key challenges that you face as leaders some of the the more 
Leadership can often be quite a glamorous thing. It can to, to look at from the outside. We've been talking a lot this week about the reality of pursuing Jesus. This morning's meeting, there's pain, there's struggle, not just in the Christian life, but sometimes extra pressures that come with leadership. What are some of the, the real challenges that you, you face as leaders and, and how do you combat those and, and wrestle with those? Um, I mean, there's obviously so much that you could say. Mm. I think one of the biggest challenges for young leaders, I think this is, yeah, it could be anyone, yeah, male or female, is, like you're saying, leadership itself can appear from the outside to be quite a glamorous thing. And so actually we can pursue leadership. I actually... To be honest, more and more, I I actually prefer not to talk too much about leadership, which is kind of a weird thing. <laughs> is that why you're here? <laughs> <laughs> I'm here because I wasn't told I was supposed to be here, remember? And <laughs> um, I, I actually prefer talking to people about discipleship um, because my own experience has been, I think, I went, for, I went quite far in leadership quite quickly when I was young. And then actually I discovered I actually just need to stop now because I actually really need to get further in discipleship before I can do anything else meaningful in leadership. And so I actually, often when I'm talking to younger leaders or people who are kind of ambitious for, you know, how can I serve God, what can I do? Most of the time I'm, I'm saying to them that actually 90% of leadership is discipleship. You, you actually haven't got anything to teach anyone or lead them into until you've got it yourself. And Do they like to hear that? No, not normally. <laughs> well, it doesn't sound very inspiring, does it? It doesn't. It sound like you, I think it's easier to get inspired by like you know you can do this, you can change this, you can do this. But when you compare it with the stories of leadership in the Bible, I think quite often people want to take the shortest route to the most, the highest kind of leadership. That's that was definitely my story. So I'm not making it as an accusation we naturally want to kind of get to as much leadership as possible as quickly as possible whereas actually when you study the leaders in the bible you discover actually quite often god took them on very long journeys (laughs) that were nothing that seemed like they were nothing to do with their leadership except actually the whole time god was preparing them because he had something remarkable he wanted them to do and the most striking contrast actually is saul and david in the book of one samuel in particular that Saul was kind of thrust, went from zero to 100, you know, kind of went straight into this leadership position and actually faltered there. Didn't, didn't have the kind of the grounding, the discipleship, so that when pressure came on him, he started disobeying God and then went downhill. Uh, and the contrast is deliberately put there with David, who, although he showed amazing signs of leadership from a very young age, took on Goliath, all that kind of stuff. And he had these amazing promises from God. Actually, there was a long period in which he wasn't leading anything and his character was being tested and proved and he's in the wilderness and Saul is pursuing him and he's making decisions not to kill Saul and he's having to kind of test out his leadership in a more hidden environment. And then when he comes through to actually being the king, when God raises him up, there's a character in him that was never there in Saul which means he can be a great king. And even when he does mess up, he knows God well enough to find his way back, whereas Saul didn't. And so I think I've seen stories, I've seen that, you can see that in the Bible really clearly. I've seen it in enough people that I'm now convinced that the Bible is right. (laughs) And when you you start to notice in the Bible, you you basically just start to notice it everywhere. And you realize the the same story with Joseph. 17 has a vision you know his parents and his brothers are all going to bow down to him and then he spends 13 years without that you know not experiencing that actually having his character tested and proved and worked out and he does come through to that but the journey is it's not the shortest route to leadership it's almost the longest one Um, and Moses is an even more extreme example you know young guy looks like he's got what it takes doesn't and has to go into the wilderness for 40 years and he qualifies as a leader when he's 80 you know so you just see it again and again and even in the life of Jesus you see someone who was obviously remarkably qualified as a young man to lead 
but actually stayed out of the public spotlight until he was 30 and then achieved more in three years than any of us will ever do, however young we start. <laughs> so I think I've seen that so many times in the Bible and in individuals. I'm actually really keen to make sure that we are helping people to have an aspiration to be disciples first and leaders second. Does that... It's amazing. <laughs> I think I'm you probably get what I'm trying to say. I'm sorry, I was just... That's great. Thank you. Thank you. Um, question was about challenge. Um, just greatest challenge. And I think for me, I mean, first of all, I just affirm what Stu said. That's really powerful. But I, was, I also wanted to say from, from, from me, what I've seen is, the, I, I call it the triangle of responsibility, that the higher you go up in leadership, the narrower your options become. And it's like, the higher you're up, the, 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 the smaller the range of options that you have, that people down here can get away and do a lot of things. And the higher you just go up in leading, there's just things you don't do. There's just, and it's, the glamour of leadership is for those who don't understand that because they see the perks, they see the position. They don't see the loss of sleep. They don't see that the leader is the one who carries the weight on their shoulders. Um, and I often, I mean, I'll see people nowadays leading large organizations. I don't envy them at all. I don't envy the person leading this whole thing right now. I don't envy them because they probably haven't slept the whole time. I mean, just, and it's not even so much the work they're doing because they have a great team doing it, but it's just that the buck stops somewhere and that person is carrying the weight of it spiritually, but also emotionally. Uh, and when everybody else has the problem, they're going to call that person and say, okay, we've got a problem. <laughs> and basically what they're saying is, okay, solve the problem for us. So having been at point long enough, I've come to realize, I think it's what Stu was saying, the thing that helps you is focusing on your character as a leader and as a young leader, ensuring that you're building your relationship with God, building your spiritual disciplines, because those are the things that will sustain you when you're up here and you're carrying everybody else's weight in a sense. And I believe that the fact that you're all here it, it really does indicate to me that there's something about you. You're here because you're leaders. Um, this is, it's, it's not the kind of thing that you put out something like this and people just show up for. Uh, you're here because God's already begun to show you something in your life that he's calling you to some level of leadership. And so as a young leader, my encouragement would be this is a time. I mean, David, David was, he just spent hours with God just developing his relationship with God, developing his time uh, with God. And by the time he was in that situation with Saul and with all the stuff, I mean, he, he had such a rock-solid love for God. It was like nothing could shake him. And that's what we do at this age is we build that foundation because God's going to build uh, on that foundation. It's almost like the, the taller the building, the deeper the foundation needs to be. So I think that's, that's why I'm just affirming what Stu was saying. I think also just um, the challenge for me would be to keep um, keep in a place where you're good with God and just full of the Holy Spirit. I think it can be tempting just to be like, oh, I've done this before, so I'll just do it again like we did it last time. And actually just to be to see things with fresh eyes and just to allow God to speak to you in new ways that you don't necessarily, if he's calling you to lead something, he isn't necessarily calling you to lead it just in exactly the same way as the guy before you has led it. Um, so yeah, just to be full of the Holy Spirit and just be dependent on God and seeking God what do you how do you want me to do this how how's this going to go like just being open to him and not just kind of sitting back and thinking well I've done this a million times I'll just do it in the same way oh, I know how this works and kind of just depending on your own strength but really seeking God because actually I think that's when he really breaks in and does stuff that's different and actually when he really does use your, your giftings in a special way rather than just um, yeah, maybe like a secular leader would learn a task and learn how to do it a hundred times. That's great. Thanks, guys. Any questions off the back of that? Yeah, yeah that's a good question. So uh, the question is, if you are in a wilderness period, uh, how do you cope with the presumably like the frustration and just the fact that nothing seems to be happening? Um, I mean, I, I think in addition to that, I think it's interesting to sort of say everything you guys have said from a personal point of view, I heard when I was younger and probably didn't learn it yeah. and had I'm not sure anyone does okay. that's why I wonder whether to even say it <laughs> I think so much you can, there are some things you primarily you learn them through experience right. you know it's a bit like a parent you know when you're a parent you obviously have that joy of being able to say all the things to your kids that you wished your parents never said to you you know and then you hear yourself saying it to it so you're saying you know, you're going to do that oh why can't I do that because I said so <laughs> you know like you know you, but you don't expect your kid to get that until they're a parent, probably. 
so I think there are some things it's okay you know that's okay that you you know you don't learn them until God teaches them God teaches them to you you know and uh, you're not expected God, the good thing is obviously God God's way with us is that he doesn't expect us to be mature before we're mature <laughs> do you know what I mean and that's quite good news isn't it like it doesn't God doesn't wait till, us, till we're mature you know he actually takes us as immature and teaches us step by step and that's one of the great things about leadership is that you make if you're walking with God you can make some wrong steps and God will lead you through them and actually that if you that's the story of all those people in the Bible that I quoted as well you know Joseph was a bit of an idiot when he kept telling his mum and dad and brothers that they were all going to bow down to him you know and he ended up getting thrown in a pit as a result and so he learned you know? <laughs> and that was it was actually only through his immaturity that he then learned some stuff and he learned then to be mature and um, I think that's okay so again, I mean, presumably then off the back of that, that comes down to a discipleship issue. It comes down to a vulnerability issue, a teacher, you know, being teachable, actually yeah. allowing, because in those moments of falling, you could still be filled with pride and say, you need people speaking in and, and helping coach you through that. So that are some of the primary. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You want to stay close to God through it all and learn how to walk through some mistakes as well as some successes. And you want to stay close to people who will be your mentors and wise pastors and, you know, leaders who will actually help you and just encourage you when you do things. Like I watch other people, I watch people do things. Like say someone new is preaching. And sometimes it's the people who have just learned how to preach who are the most critical of them. And I think... They're better than you were. <laughs> you know, like, give them a chance. They made some mistakes. It's because it's their first time. Like, we, we all did that, you know. And so did you, by the way. But you can kind of, you can forget that. Um, so, yeah. Well, I think the whole thing about when I was younger, I wasn't smart enough to look for mentors or to look for people who are good leaders. Maybe didn't even, nobody told me that's what you do when you're a young leader. And so I feel like that's why I waste, I, I really feel I wasted a, a lot of time. And in college, I met this guy, like I said, who really spoke into my life. And I think it was awesome that he came. And I really look back to my life now and I say, it was God's mercy. I would not be anybody who I am today. Maybe God would have used another way. But really, this guy so poured into me and helped me become, become he, he had the freedom to speak into my life and just was a superb leader. And um, there's an African saying that says, if you, want to, if you want to see far, don't jump up and down. Stand on the shoulder of a giant. And basically what that saying is, you know, when you're young, you, you want to try and do things by yourself. But when you step on the shoulders of somebody else who's done it, who's, who's, who's done it longer than you have, they have more experience, you, they're able to lift you up in some way. And so I've had the, the, the experience now where several young, smart leaders have looked for me. I mean, they're smarter than I was because I didn't know to look for somebody. Have come up to me and actually said, hey. And, and, and basically, they're smart enough to realize that if you just walk up to somebody and say, could you mentor me? It doesn't, it doesn't usually work. Uh, I mean, just back to your story. People are usually overwhelmed when you tell them that. So the trick is to go and find a way to serve the person. And so I've had people just come up and say, hey, uh, I notice whenever you're preaching, um, you need someone to help you do a few things. I'll walk with you. Is that okay? I'll walk with you and you can send me to do whatever you need to. And I'm like, oh, wow, you're very uh, perceptive to see that. And the person just on Sunday will walk with me around the compound. And they're sitting in all these conversations I'm in. And they're participating in some things that they never would as a young leader just because they were smart enough to say, I want to be in in your position. Or I hear you're going for this conference in town. I'll drive you because I know it's going to be a lot of work for you not to be driving and doing that. So don't worry, I'll do all the driving for you. And it's like, oh, wow, okay. And what they have is me in the car with them and they're watching me and they're observing and we're having conversations. And I've actually learned from younger leaders who've come to me like that how to do the same for older leaders. And so now I'm much smarter, I think. I look for people and I want to spend time with them and find ways to serve them so they can mentor me. So I think that's one of the things to do in that space where things aren't moving is be with other leaders and just allow them to keep mentoring, keep asking me the hard questions, and also keep asking them questions. So I had a chance to 
So one of my treats on this retreat is I spent two and a half hours with Terry Virgo, which for me is like, wow, that's a rock star in my world, you know. And I had a list of questions. I've been on, on the plane coming here. I was thinking through what am I going to ask him if I get this chance. So the other thing is, okay, when you're with them, then, then be ready. Uh, already have questions, and you guys have some great questions. Just have some questions that, yeah, when I get there, I know I'm going to be asking some questions to these people, and help, they can help me grow. So. I mean, yeah, so we, didn't, we haven't said much about that question, so I'm just wondering if we should say, because the question is if you're in a kind of a wilderness, which um, I guess you mean particularly maybe in terms of leadership or just generally in life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Then I think, so that will almost certainly happen. So, you know, to some measure, um, quite often (laughs) for me, um, I think you have to learn to start to separate what's your responsibility and what is the Lord's. And when you can do that, that's the peace of God (laughs) that you've just found. Um, because if you basically make your primary goal all things that are within your control so this is actually really important as in if you can get this it genuinely can change your life Uh, if I make it in my marriage for example if if I make my goal a really good marriage that's not totally within my control to do that because there's two of us and so I've stitched myself up because my, I've set myself a goal that is outside, outside of my control. And if, if, I, if Livy does something that, you know, if, if we start having an argument, it's not just for having an argument, she's, she's actually stopping me from reaching my goal, you know, which is, you know. But if I set my goal to be a really loving husband, then no one can stop me from doing that. That's, that's entirely between me and the Lord. And I can, so if I'm not doing it, then I can do something about it. And if I am, everything else is someone else's responsibility and I can bring it before God. So you can apply that to any area of life. You can do it with your kids as well. You know, If I make my goal to have a peaceful family, every time my kids get stroppy or have a fight with each other, they're ruining my chances of achieving my goal. You know, And I just get annoyed with them. If I set my goal to be a, a godly dad who sets a great example in the house I can do it and when my kids argue that doesn't stop me that actually helps me because that's an opportunity so there are like some things in the home but you can apply that to every area of leadership if I make it my goal that the church is going to grow I'm alright as long as it is but I'm ruined if it doesn't (laughs) but if I make it my goal that I will serve people and I will use all the gifts I've got to the best of my ability and I will give myself to prayer, then if the church isn't growing, but I am doing those things, I can feel peaceful about it. Do you see what I mean? I think if you can get that, it actually sets you free from all kinds of anxieties. You end up being anxious about stuff that you can't actually control, and then you're completely helpless because you feel responsible for something that's someone else's responsibility. You're, You're basically, you are dependent on them which is, leaves you stuck, basically. You're kind of going to be blown around by how everyone else responds and handles you. Whereas if you make your goals, your, your primary goals in life, all things that are things that God has told you to do and are within your, your own bounds, then actually you can live a life of great peace and you can trust God to take care of the rest. Cool. That's deep. Life-changing moment right there. Um, we need to finish because uh, I know you guys have got a meeting to go to just to remind you about that and uh, it would be great to finish with maybe just one line speaking to the generation emerging uh, and just the encouragement to, to what is it to go all out obviously for Jesus but as this generation emerges what bit of Advice, commissioning, encouragement would you, would you just want to give? Rather than one sentence, I mean, that's 30 seconds. Just, it's not a preach to you, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> this isn't the moment. It's a bit on the spot. But um, yeah, I think uh, lead yourself well, 
put yourself before God and lead yourself well. Um, I think that comes alongside humility, just having humility that God is most interested in your heart. He's most interested in who you are before him and all of the leadership stuff comes after that. So yeah, learn how to lead yourself well. And if you're given opportunities or not, that's something you can constantly um, step out in and move forward in and pursue God in. Wow, the pressure of the world. Um, I would say, wow, if I was to go back to when I was a younger leader, I'd say the, the key thing I've learned in life is I go so much farther when I go with others. And so it's almost like repeating what I said earlier. It's just the importance of finding people that are good leaders and that you can walk with. And it might be people in your youth group or it might be people in, around you, but there, there are always going to be some leaders that you can learn from. And having the humility to ask them, uh, what is it that makes you so good in this? And just sort of to learn to learn from them as well. So I think that would be my big thing. There are godly leaders around you, and I think there are opportunities to learn if you have the heart to ask for the help. Yeah. Um... Well, I guess I did a seminar yesterday on a guy called George Muller. Um, uh, I won't do the whole seminar again. Um, but right at the end, I kind of concluded by saying the kind of the thing when he was asked what's the secret of his life and fruitfulness, he said, "I make it, I make it the chief aim of my chief aim every day. My chief priority is to get my soul happy in God." And I think I've seen that if we do that, everything else does tend to fall into place. So I would say make it the chief aim of your day to get your soul happy in God. That's great. Let's give the panel a round of applause. Thank you so much for your time, guys. I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll be seeing you this evening preaching. Looking forward to that. Uh, yeah, so make sure you're there. It's going to be a good evening. Uh, a few of us are just going to be around if you want to pray. Uh, but also don't forget that the guys at the back representing Impact and ID. So that's on the gap year front. Um, and if you do want to speak to myself about the academy at KCC or the gap years at CCK, so that's in Southampton or Brighton, uh, then come and speak to myself afterwards. Thanks for coming, guys. God bless you. And we'll see you soon.